Hello, I am Hari Kumar Pillay from the Baker McKenzie Singapore office. Thank you for tuning in to Baker McKenzie's In the Know. This podcast series will feature a string of interviews with competition authorities in the Asia Pacific region. Each episode in the series will involve a key member from the competition authorities leadership who will share with us their unique views on the competition enforcement priorities and the key developments in competition policy and law enforcement in their respective jurisdictions. To kick things off, we are very honored to have with us Commissioner Amabel Asuncion from the Philippine Competition Commission or the PCC today. Set up in 2016, the PCC started its enforcement work on mergers, one of the more complex areas of competition law and policy. Today, the PCC is already one of the most respected enforcers in the Southeast Asian region, having concluded some landmark cases. Amabel herself was appointed as a commissioner in January 2017 and has extensive experience in both commercial and corporate practice within the context of, the, of both private and public sector issues. Prior to joining the PCC, she served in various capacities, including as advocacy advisor, director for legal and regulatory affairs, legislative officer, adjudication chief, as well as a law professor. A very warm welcome to you, Commissioner, and thank you for taking the time to join us for this first episode of this podcast series. Over to you, Amabel. Hi, Harry. Thank you very much for inviting me here to be part of your ASEAN Regulators podcast. Uh, I think this is a very great initiative, um, and I'm hoping really that um, you know the public, um, not just uh, the clients of Baker and McKenzie, will benefit from this um, very important um, you know updates uh, on the various uh, jurisdictions. Um, and the uh, competition authorities' activities uh, in ASEAN. Um, so thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. And thank you for the very kind words about PCC. Um, it really makes uh, one's heart really warm. So Harry, before you start grilling me, I'd like to say that um, the views that I will be expressing um, in this interview are my own and they do not uh, bind the commission or any of the members of the commission. Thank you. Thank you, Amabel. We will now proceed with the interview. Could you provide us with a brief update on the PCC's enforcement activities in the first half of 2020? Are there any sectors that are particularly problematic or are a key focus for the PCC. Okay, so for the updates for the first half of 2020, um, on the enforcement side, uh, the Competition Enforcement Office has received uh, around 74 queries and informal complaints and one verified complaint 
So this brings our cumulative total to 388 queries and informal complaints and eight verified complaints since um, you know, the enforcement side of um, PCC began operating. Uh, so as of uh, June, uh, the Enforcement Office has conducted about 16 preliminary inquiries, 10 of which are motoproprio or on its own initiative. So currently, there are 10 cases on full administrative investigation and one that is poised to be um, uh, deliberated upon because it's now on adjudication phase. There was one case that was, uh, that was decided last year, um, and this is currently under monitoring because it, was the, um, uh, it, it resulted in a settlement. And so there were commitments on the part of the entity, and those commitments are now being monitored. Now, for mergers um, for 2020, our mergers office received uh, around nine notifications. So this brings the total cumulative to 241 merger notifications since the start of PCC. Now, during the quarantine, which uh, you know, started in March of this year, uh, the commission continued to uh, do its work. So it was uh, able to approve two mergers. Um, and then now there is no pending phase one um, review, but there is one that is currently under phase two review. Um, we also have a couple of gun jumping cases um, that are pending uh, right now. And then um, we are also monitoring two commitment decisions, um, one of which is GRAB, which um, I think many of uh, you, uh, the listeners, may know. Um, late last year, the... Uh, uh, the entities extended their undertaking for another uh, two years for some of the commitments. So those commitments are under monitoring, um, although we expect uh, you know, maybe some changes uh, considering the current situation. Um, so, so that would be um, the update uh, in so far as our uh, enforcement and mergers um, offices are concerned. Um, so we have been <laughs> working um, continuously even during the quarantine, although uh, most of the work since the quarantine has been uh, done at home. Um, on the uh, key areas or sectors, for 2020, uh, PCC identified seven priority sectors. Uh, so these are retail, transportation, energy, construction, telecommunications, food, and then health and pharmaceuticals. And um, you know, as it's it's a small list, um, but it's very interesting that uh, at the time the sectors were identified, we were um, considering, of course. Uh, you know, the concentration in these sectors, how important they are to consumers. But now, during this pandemic, you know, these sectors have become even more important, um, especially the last one that I mentioned, health and the 
pharmaceutical sector. It's quite timely, um, actually, because uh, just before the pandemic, an issues paper on this sector had just been completed. And that uh, paper looked into the industry performance, uh, the players, and uh, you know, potential um, competition issues uh, in that sector. So maybe just to um, give a brief summary of the findings um, of that paper, uh, you know, because I think it's really relevant uh, to the times. Um, some of the findings include, um, you know, a, a finding that the market is currently you know, um, dominated by multinational companies and there is some difficulty on the part of local manufacturers or traders to compete uh, with the bigger ones. Uh, a couple of fa factors have been identified um, as to why this is the case. Um, one factor, one contributory factor is the need to import raw materials, which in itself is already vulnerable to uh, foreign currency fluctuations, so it makes it even more expensive for the smaller um, or for the local companies to compete. And then they also have difficulty paying for bioequivalence tests. Um, and there are and, uh, other constraints, uh, marketing, um, ability to supply medicines to hospitals and drugstores. Um, so that, that's one issue. Um, there is, uh, you know, a bit of, uh, let's say, uh, disadvantage, apparent disadvantage on the part of local manufacturers. Um, and then in terms of concentration in the industry, uh, the study um, uh, found that the manufacturing sector uh, is becoming more concentrated. Uh, as of January 2018, there were supposed to be 100 uh, manufacturers identified by the authors of the paper, but uh, in the conduct of their study and interviews, um, industry informants say that there may actually be less than 10 manufacturers. So, you know, that's quite uh, you know, a leap from 100 to you know, just less than 10 manufacturers. And then on the retail side, there seems to be evidence of integration as well. Um, it was noted that, um, you know, pharmaceutical manufacturing uh, establishments are owned by only a very few groups or entities, and that some of these um, are also acquiring other retailers. So they say, well, the study says that um, if you look at the similarities in ownership, about 31 pharmaceutical establishments would consolidate into only five companies. Um, and then there's also an emerging pattern of integration, uh, you know, providing end-to-end -end services from manufacturing to distribution to marketing and then hospital service. Uh, and then some retail companies uh, or drugstores are coming up with their own um, brands or labels. Um, so these are some of the issues identified um, in that paper. 
And we think that with the COVID-19 um, situation, which we, uh, we all know is going to be here for a while, um, the health and pharmaceutical sector is quite critical. And we need to make sure that this market remains open and competitive and the dominant players will not abuse their market power. So we will uh, definitely be watching this sector more closely. Thank you, Amabel, for that insightful update and detailed um, update as well. We appreciate your candid responses, as will our listeners. It certainly sounds like the PCC is keeping busy and is on its toes. I will move on now to the next question. How has the PCC managed the disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of its enforcement and advocacy work? Thank you, Harry. It has been uh, quite challenging, uh, to be honest, but um, you know, we need to continue working. Um, and in the Philippine context, shortly after the community quarantine was declared, Congress enacted a law called the Bayanihan Act, um, where a provision in that law uh, explicitly authorizes actions against hoarding, profiteering, injury speculations, manipulation of prices, product deceptions, cartels, monopolies, and other combinations in restraint of trade. So this was very much part of the law, which, which gives... Um, Power, emergency powers to the president during the time of the crisis. Um, so with this explicit mandate to ensure that um, such activities are not engaged in, um, the commission coordinated with the Department of Trade and Industry um, so that both agencies can work together in, enfor uh, in enforcing this provision. So the Department of Trade and Industry is the regulatory agency. Um, and so from our perspective, they are important partners in ensuring that necessary measures are taken to prevent entities from engaging in such conduct. Um, on the other hand, PCC is there uh, to make sure that if anyone does in fact engage in such conduct, then you know, PCC will prosecute such conduct. Um, so that was a sort of reiteration of what PCC um, has been mandated to do, um, uh, but uh, with special um, emphasis on the need to coordinate with a, a regulatory agency. Um, so with that, uh, the enforcement office um, continued to conduct its work. It con continued to do its investigations and inquiries um, using alternative means. Uh, uh, obviously, they couldn't physically go out to the field and, and do those interviews um, of informants or, or witnesses. Um, but um, thankfully, we are all in that age of virtual technology where teleconferencing and video conferencing is possible. So um, that has, uh, you know, minimized the disruption of the work. Um, even the commission continued to do its um, or conduct its meetings, its regular meetings via teleconference or video conference. And 
you know, uh, approved some, some mergers and also was proceeding with the conduct of a phase two review of a cement merger, uh, even as we were in quarantine. Um, it's, uh, however, this, uh, this transaction did not push through anymore as the parties uh, decided not to proceed with the transaction. But uh, before that, uh, the commission continued to uh, work on that case. On the merger front, um, pre-notification consultations and answering queries were conducted via email. So everything that could be done um, electronically uh, was uh, continued to um, be performed by the relevant offices. But we did have to suspend some of the processes during the quarantine. When the National Capital Region shifted to a modified enhanced community quarantine um, in the middle of May. Uh, we were able to resume some of the processes that were previously suspended. So this included uh, acceptance of notification forms, sufficiency determination, um, evaluation of uh, requests for letters of non-coverage and, and acceptance of new requests for letters of uh, non-coverage. So these activities have resumed as of uh, the middle of May. Um, and then for June, um, we have also started to accept requests for letters of non-coverage um, of those transactions where a certification is not uh, required from the PCC. Uh, previously, we limited the acceptance of such requests to those where other government agencies required the parties to notify first the commission. Um, so now we accept all of the requests uh, regardless of whether or not uh, such certification is required by other um, government agencies. On the quasi-judicial proceedings, however, these remain suspended pursuant to Administrative Order Number 30, uh, issued back in April. Uh, so this uh, administrative order directed all government offices to suspend uh, quasi-judicial proceedings. So based on that, um, we have also suspended phase one and phase two review up to today, uh, but we have already made representations to the government to lift the suspension so that we can resume uh, these activities and processes. On, um, so that's for our enforcement work. For advocacy, um, we have continued to uh, make representations and articulated our positions on various uh, bills. Um, in Congress, uh, because Congress did not really stop working, so we also had to continue working. <laughs> um, there were bills uh, tabled in Congress uh, to address the COVID-19 situation. So this would include, um, well, the Bayanihan Law, as well as several stimulus package bills um, that are meant to uh, address the post-COVID-19 uh, situation. So we uh, have been participating um, actively uh, in advocating for uh, competition policy to be included 
or at least not left out um, in, in these bills. Now, in terms of our own advocacy projects, we have started converting uh, some of the activities to webinars and other online uh, programs. So we've, we have a couple of activities lined up for the year, um, you know, uh, seminars, workshops, etc. Um, so we have uh, started to convert these into webinars. So we'll probably be airing this, um, these webinars in the last uh, quarter, maybe third or fourth quarter of the year. Um, so, so those are some of the activities that we have continued to, to do um, to minimize, to try to minimize the disruption caused by the pandemic. Thank you for that, Annabelle. Having previously worked at a competition authorities, I appreciate the difficulties the PCC faces in relation to carrying out its enforcement and advocacy work given the restrictions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Moving on to the next question, what are the PCC's priorities for the second half of 2020? Given the economic uncertainties brought about by COVID-19, how does this impact your authorities' enforcement priorities for the coming year? Okay, well, the sectoral priorities for 2020 that I've mentioned earlier remain relevant, um, but a special focus will be given to COVID-19-related issues uh, in these sectors. Um, obviously, this is the issue of the hour, and uh, we want to be able to contribute um, well to the economy and also to making sure that um, players or, or market participants do not take advantage of this situation and that consumer welfare continues to be protected. So there will be um, a conscious effort to choose the most appropriate investigation tools and strategies for each case so that we can be more effective and efficient without having to um, derail or sacrifice enforcement in uh, you know both COVID and non-COVID nineteen related cases, uh, you know even before this pandemic happened, our plate was already full. Um, so with the onslaught of uh, new cases, um, we don't want to sacrifice those that have been um, on our plate uh, for some time. So it's uh, important to strike a balance and and choose really what is the appropriate approach. For each case, um, I think also that uh, although the new, this so-called new normal poses challenges for certain activities, um, it has also shown us that, that there are alternatives that we did not think existed before, but can in fact be as efficient and even cost-effective in some ways. So. We will have to continue discovering uh, some of these um, alternatives and we are very highly engaged in learning from the approaches of other jurisdictions in how they are um, facing uh, the enforcement challenges arising from COVID-19. 
post-COVID-19, um, of course, the commission um, aims to help facilitate business transactions and help in rebuilding and jumpstarting the economy. Uh, we anticipate mergers coming in that will uh, invoke the failing firm defense or uh, probably claim efficiencies. Um, and we will carefully consider the merits of such claims with a view to helping the economy, but at the same time ensuring that you know, we will still have a competitive business environment post-COVID-19. Um, and uh, we will continue to push for the consideration of competition law and policy in the official responses of uh, government and various government agencies to the COVID-19 pandemic. It sure sounds like the PCC is taking a very proactive approach to its enforcement work, given the new normal caused by COVID-19. To sum things up then, what would be the PCC's key competition compliance messages and takeaways for businesses? Harry, the Commission remains steadfast in fostering a culture of competition. And therefore, uh, you can be assured that we will enforce the provisions of the law as we have been mandated to do uh, to protect competition and consumer welfare. So in this light, we do expect businesses to abide by the tenets of competition. But at the same time, we encourage them to avail of the non-adversarial remedies where appropriate so that solutions can be identified to safeguard competition at the same time accommodate their um, you know, business, um, business perspectives. So for instance, um, there is uh, the possibility under our law to seek a binding opinion from the commission if you are intending to engage on a certain conduct and you're not sure if it's going to violate the law, um, you can request a binding opinion from the commission and, and seek guidance on the, um, the uh, conduct that you'd like to engage in. So there are um, remedies under the law, uh, short of, uh, you know, the usual enforcement and investigation that we do. Uh, and those, re those other or non-adversarial remedies are sometimes um, better in that it saves time for both the entities concerned and the commission. And then at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's collaborative in terms of finding solutions that can mutually uh, respond to the competition concerns as well as the business concerns. So we encourage the use of these remedies. And then maybe just as a, a final note, um, I think this is a concern shared by many competition agencies, especially the young ones, which is, uh, you know, at a time like this, there is a tendency to set aside competition, okay? In, favor of other government policies. Um, what I'd like to say, though, is, you know, competition is not a dispensable policy. It is not, it's not a luxury that is reserved only for the good times or only when it's convenient. Uh, it's also not an obstacle 
to other government policies or to our now common objective of raising above this economic and health crisis. I think it should be viewed as a necessary ingredient for an inclusive and sustainable restart of the economy. Uh, this is for the benefit of both business and consumer. And businesses are consumers. We're all consumers. And choice, price, quality, and innovation, which are the benefits of competition, remain relevant. Even in a crisis like this, especially where the opportunity for abuse uh, is wide open. And so... Um, I guess on behalf of all the competition authorities, <laughs> I would just like to say that um, competition is and should be should very much be part of the solution to this crisis. Not tomorrow, but today. Thank you for your extremely valuable insights, Amabel. Both our listeners and us will certainly note these points that you have made. More importantly, though, thank you for taking the time of your very busy schedule, I'm sure, to share your thoughts and views with us, Commissioner. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Baker McKenzie's In the Know podcast series, interviews with competition authorities in the Asia-Pacific region. Stay tuned for the next episode, which will be released shortly. To receive timely updates on new episodes, please subscribe to our podcast series on your preferred podcast platform. You can also access the podcast on the Baker McKenzie website. Till then, keep well and stay safe during this COVID-19 pandemic.